0: Today is Sunday, June 11th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry H. Russell. Two weeks ago, we began putting the final touches on the Celtics' 2016-17 campaign, which saw them finish as finalists in the Eastern Conference. And now this week, we officially close and seal the book on this past season by reviewing, and even grading, each and every individual player as we look back upon their particular season's and we won't do it alone. Celtics courtside reporter for CSN, Abby Chin, will be joining the show right now. So, this 2017 season, it's still, I would say, ongoing. It really never ends. <laughs> I would say for that little three to four week stretch right after the summer league so I'm actually still using this time Abby to look back on the season it was that special rather than get caught up in the offseason we still have plenty of time for that so how about a question like this 2022 2024 let's fast forward to when we're nearly 40 years old and we look back on this very special 2017 season are we going to remember this as the Isaiah Thomas year
1: Absolutely. Um, let me first say a couple of things. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. And I like the positivity. Looking back on this season, that was, that was such an incredible ride just to be a part of. And I think that you are absolutely right. There's no question. This is the season of Isaiah Thomas. Led this team in scoring. He was incredible in the fourth quarter. I just remember there were points in the season, and on CSN, on our Facebook, we do a live show before every uh, way game. And I do that with Brian Scalabrini and Scout was just so amazed. He could not continue to put into words, to put into perspective, the kind of season that Isaiah was having. He just kept saying, I I refuse to be surprised by what he does anymore. He was amazing. And if that is the one takeaway from this season, then it was a lot of fun. And I'm so thankful that I got to be a part of it.
0: This is episode number 213 of Celtics Beat, brought to you by HelloFresh and Casper. Casper is a premium online mattress retailer at a fraction of the cost, Save an additional $50 as one of our audience members, by going to casper.com slash Celtic, no S, and entering promo Mm -hmm. code Celtic. You know, I'm not huge on the player grades, Abby, but it is, I guess, the most effective way, especially in in this uh, medium of consuming content digitally, so... Last week, I did a season-in-review show with Chris Forsberg. I'm utilizing this space to look back on the players individually. I usually sort of go work my way up the hierarchical ladder with the Celtics, but I think that's sort of a waste of time. We may as well specifically get into Isaiah. I thought Chris brought up a very good point last week. If we're going to look back on the whole season with Isaiah, it actually started pretty much right now, last June of 2016. Well, effectively, the infamous 4th of July. Let's see. You have... How about this? Uh, You have to have a story because I think the last time you were here was that 4th of July weekend. I'm pretty sure you did that show with me when Isaiah was down in Nantucket or Hamptons. What was that? The Hamptons. Okay. Yeah. Recruiting Kevin Durant. mm -hmm.
1: I don't know if I have a certain story. I think there's one image that sticks out to me and that's Isaiah Thomas at the All-Star festivities sitting in chairs talking with Jimmy Butler. I think that Isaiah is always – in somebody's ear doing what he can to improve the Celtics team talking to guys I mean I know that he is so well respected throughout the league and just from being in around those players the top the elite the top echelon elite players in the league at those events at the all-star game if he's going to go to the NBA player awards I think that's huge and we all hear Isaiah talk about it all the time, just how much he loves being here in Boston, how much he loves playing for this organization that is the Celtics. And he feels like this is the first place that he can actually call home and that he has been really welcomed and been able to show his real game. And so everything that he's capable of. And I think that he tells that to anyone who asks. And I think that he tells that to any of his colleagues and players around the league, and as we know, Brad Stevens has an impeccable reputation that continues to grow. I think the Celtics have so many positives going for them, and Isaiah Thomas is certainly one of those.
0: How effective do you think uh, Isaiah's messages to these these players outside of the organization are?
1: I think that we know that this is a business, and while money is absolutely going to be the number one factor i think that all of these other things help it's the reason that teams pick choose to go to a san antonio it's i think one word that we're hearing a lot more of recently is the program that is the celtics brad stevens calls it institutional knowledge it's just players coaches the front office everyone working symbiotically and without a doubt that is Permeating through the league, and players know what kind of atmosphere, how great the atmosphere is here in Boston.
0: Going to the actual season that he had, and you already talked about it, you gave sort of your own personal Abby Chin synopsis of what you felt that it was. How about something like this? I think that we are going to look back on this 2017 Celtics season, especially since it did not culminate in championship. You sort of identify it with a singular player, if, if it ever stuck out. They say the same way. I mean, I talked with Chris last week about the 2002 team, which I, was something that holds very dear to my heart. I, I consider that, you know, basically Paul Pierce's defining season of mm-hmm. his career, even even more so than the championship. Another uh, player was Allen Iverson had something similar in 2001 when he dragged you know four other guys named Fred to the NBA Finals, of course. Uh, Four other guys named Fred were George Lynch, uh, Tyron Hill, Dikemi Mutombo, and Eric Snow. But he got that team in the NBA Finals. He won the MVP, and that was the definitive season of his career. And he actually, I don't want to say he never really replicated it, but he sort of started a a slowish decline. That was his peak. Do you think Isaiah can replicate what he just did this past season?
1: I don't know if there will be that aura around it, but I absolutely do. And I think that that is one of the great things about Isaiah, and it's one of the things that we hear Brad Stevens describe about Isaiah all the time, is that he is not satisfied. That's what makes him great, is that he constantly wants to improve. He constantly wants to be better. You said last season was big for him. I think this season will be even bigger he saw how Atlanta and the Cavs the year before that took him out of the playoffs and he changed, he changed what he did. He changed his game. He understood that he needed to involve his teammates and saw what it took to win a playoff series. And so I absolutely think he can replicate what he did this season. And I, I think, I believe in my heart that he's only going to get better. And I, you talk about playing with a bunch of nobodies. That's not, how I see the Celtics team. No, no, I meant,
0: I'm sorry. I'm going to jump on you there. I meant Irison back in '01 did.
1: Okay, but I, I would just think that for Isaiah's season, it was huge for him to be playing alongside Al Horford. And I know you mentioned it in your season grades. A lot of stuff that Al does goes unlooked, but there was one point I remember specifically that we were in DC and Brad Stevens was asked about how a number of Celtics, including Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas, are in the midst of career seasons and just how much that has to do with the addition of Al Horford. And Brad said, I think that's a very astute observation.
0: Do you think that Al had the most abstract and intangible value to the Celtics than any other player on the team did?
1: Abstract? I don't know. I mean, I guess because it didn't show up in the stat sheet, but there is no question and... I know that we say it over and over with Al, but you just can't mistake it. He makes everyone on the floor better when he's there, whether it's from passing and facilitating the offense, whether it's just from leadership and instilling confidence. He made this team so much better. And I know that it doesn't reflect – he's not a 20-10 and guy. That's just not who he is. That's not who he's going to be. But – as Danny and Brad keep saying, he's a winner, and he does what it takes to play winning basketball.
0: Early in this season, there were some murmurs uh, that Al Horford was not entirely comfortable with his move to Boston. Did you ever get that feel when you were around him as you're pretty much around the team as much as anyone is?
1: Al will never say would never say that or let that on. Um, but he did admit, I remember when the playoffs were just beginning, that he was surprised at how long it really did take him to adjust, to feel comfortable, to find his role and exactly what he should be doing. And I think we saw that. He went through, I don't know if I'd call it a slump, but he definitely wasn't satisfied with the way he was playing, um, I would say, in, to the later part of the season. But those that last month, he really found his stride and I think figured out the best way that he can help his teammates. And I don't think that... That's something that can be understated, the adjustment. He spent nine years in Atlanta. It was the only thing that he knew. While he had been through a couple of different coaches, I mean, that was the only environment he had ever been in, the only group of people that he's ever worked with. And so I think this was a huge adjustment, and I think that it's something that even he was surprised by how much it was. So I don't know if he was – I wouldn't say – I know he was not disappointed with his decision. He has maintained that throughout, that he – believes in his decision and is confident in his decision. And for me, it was so great to hear him talk about, before these playoffs started, that this is the most excited he was he had ever been heading into a playoffs. I think he really likes this group. He really likes the coaching staff, and he believes in what the Celtics are doing.
0: I specifically remember that quote. I'm happy that you pointed it out. And I also I think that one thing that really jumped out at me was his interview after the third game in Cleveland in terms of how he yes. was able to finally get <laughs> Apple made a team. I'll ask your He
1: was still in the zone. I mean, he was locked in. I have not seen that look in his eyes off the court. It was so fun. I'm so- it was such a cool experience to get to do that with him because it really did show a different side of him.
0: Going all the way back to the beginning of the season, I'm going to reference something without referencing because I know you are very astute as are our many audience members are. How do you think he handled some of the, you know, nonsense that can come up in in I, I'll, I'll dot dot dot
1: Al Horford is a pro's pro. I'm not sure specifically what instance you're referencing, but um, as far as the criticism, I remember last year in the playoffs, uh, my good friend, Tommy Heinsohn, said that Al Horford, he had some harsh criticisms for Al Horford and just not being a franchise-type player um, and I asked Al about that in Atlanta and he was just a pro's pro. He said, I can't worry about that. I'm just trying to be the best player that I can be for my team. So, and I believe him. I believe that he doesn't listen to any of that. If, if he does, I don't believe that it affects him. Um, his sister is another matter, but I have asked him about his sister and he just laughs it off and says, she's going to do what she wants. And it's pretty funny.
0: I really want to wrap up real quick on Al. Is there any – I thought when it was all said and done, I thought he had a great season here. Once again, in in the name of player grades, I even threw an A- minus on him, and I think that was largely a strong also bias because he was great overall in general in the playoffs, especially at points in time when the team needed him. But how about, you know – there were some aspects of his game that either he did not bring here or left in Atlanta, or it's just the just he's getting older. He's 31, going on 32. Did you see any possible, you know, any decline in his game? Be it, I think his rebounding rate went down for the fifth consecutive year. I also noticed that down in the post, uh, at various points of the regular season, I think he also finished the middle of the pack points per possession. For centers in the uh, post, I remember I dedicate an entire show on it. I have all the analytics on on, on that specific broadcast. So I'm just really going off the top of my head here, Ab- here, Abby. And we're here with Abby Chin, uh, Celtics courtside reporter for CSN. If you have not noticed yet, listeners, uh, I've just noticed maybe you know down in the post, do you see any signs of decline? And it something really to worry about. You expect for just someone who's you know north of 30 years old.
1: I can't say that I've studied his career well enough to know to speak directly to that decline. But I will say that I think in today's game, while I know that lineups are getting smaller, Al is definitely someone who would benefit from having a bigger presence down low because at this point, and that's what one of the things that he does so well, is stretch the floor. And so if there is someone in there to like a Tristan Thompson type who can get in there and rebound and pull down those boards and battle with the big bodies – for the entire 48 minutes. I think that there's no question Al Horford could benefit from that. But as we saw at the trade deadline and as Danny continues to say, they're not just going to bring in a body who can pull down boards if it's going to clog up the entire offensive system. So I believe in what I witnessed and learned this season is that Al Horford can play with anybody. But I agree with you in that there's no question, and we've been talking about it for years, but the Celtics need – rebounding and rim protection and that has not changed
0: save that for another show though i'm not <laughs> yeah. i'm not i am not quite there yet i'm still looking back upon this season we still have a few more weeks to do that although it's still it is motoring along as we know actually my off-season preview show will be done so next week but i'd like to move on to the ultimate pariah of the team uh, we can just i'm sort of skipping around here abby so forgive me uh most important first i like to talk about marcus smart he's a very t- popular topic on not just this show but any any other broadcast or medium such as anything that you're on that discusses the celtics i think it comes uh, out ad nauseum too uh especially with other analysts who can reference who i know i'm talking about and that's marcus smart uh I mean, I don't really know where to begin on Marcus. If I'm giving it such a black and white grade, i I'll, i am going to play the role as contrarian because I I, I I know you have a very high opinion of him. <laughs> I just don't. I like, do, yes. No, maybe I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm a little biased that he was a high lottery pick, so he has that stigma always over him. But there's still been no offensive improvement there. I think that his. Uh, How can you
1: say that? I disagree with that. I think that he has gotten. Leaps and bounds better at facilitating the offense, at running a pick and okay, roll, yes, at right. reading I'm, defenses.
0: I, you got me, you got me. Continue, because yes, he did improve mightily passing. Maybe I should have said. Maybe I should have specifically cited shooting at, at any other points and shot selection, as a matter of fact.
1: Uh, I will agree that uh, there are a few too many heat checks in Marcus Smart's game. But the thing with Marcus, and something that we just for some reason cannot find a way to lock into a bottle is that Marcus Smart plays the best when his back is against the wall, when the Celtics need him the most. And that is when he's hitting threes, even when he's off balance and doesn't get to set his feet. That is when he's making, as we talk about those winning plays and why I love him so much, why I love watching him so much. And so I just don't know how you bottle that up, how you make him feel like that all the time because you know that the shot is there. You, he works so hard at it. I remember we went through um, that slump. I, I don't even remember if it was earlier this season. Right after was, the
0: All-Star break. When he and he was in the gym like, oh, yeah. for
1: hours and hours working on his shot. So there's no question he puts in the work. He just, for some reason, needs to feel like he, his back is against the wall for those to go down. And so I... I believe – I'm with Brad Stevens. I believe in Marcus Smart. I believe when you need him, he's going to be there for you.
0: Episode number 213 of Celtics Beat with Abby Chin is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. They're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Casper is made of supportive memory foam for a sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce, plus its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night as I know from personal experience. I have never slept on a mattress this soft and this comfortable and you can buy it easily online and completely risk free because Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you spend a third of your life on. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Studies have now proven lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation to whether it is the right bed for you. And get this, you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtic and entering the promo code Celtic. That's casper.com slash Celtic and promo code Celtic. Free shipping applies to U.S. and Canada customers only. Terms and conditions apply. He has such a quick trigger, and I remember talking to Austin Ainge here, and, I, and I, Austin referred to it as confidence, quote-unquote. I, I guess you can say that. I wouldn't. Uh, but, Abby, I mean, do you think there's anything to that, I mean, sort of like in return for his effort once he dons the jersey, be it in games and practices for that matter, that, that Stevens allows him to have such leniency with his shot when in all reality a career 29% uh, shooter from beyond the arc shouldn't?
1: There's no question that this team, while obviously we saw in the postseason that their success depends on the three, I don't think that you would call anyone on this team outside of Isaiah this season, and Avery Bradley is developing into that, but a knockdown shooter. And so there's no question these guys work on their shot. They're in the gym night, day after day, working and it's Brad Stevens' philosophy to instill confidence in his guys. So if you say there's no punishment for taking these shots, I mean, Brad absolutely lets them know through film study and through maybe not as often screaming at him at a player from the sidelines, but there's no question Brad lets them know what is a good shot and what isn't. But he, his philosophy is to instill confidence. I mean, if you're if you're Marcus Smart and you're shooting 25% from three and your coach continues to yell and hammer it into you that you need to shoot better from three, how is that going to help? Obviously he knows that. And so I don't know if consequences is the right word. I think Brad Stevens absolutely uses teaching to accentuate or to articulate what is a good shot and what is, a, what is not a good shot, but his, Focus is to instill confidence in his guys.
0: I thought the best this team played all year was right after his incident down in Washington. I believe they won seven in a row. They went into the All Star break, something like you know, eight or eight in a row, or eight out of nine. Something. I know they lost a game in Chicago right before the break. Was there any sort of was that a watershed moment for for the team this year, or was that just sort of a coincidence?
1: I feel like there were a couple turning points this season for this team. I'm trying to look back at that stretch. I think that that second West Coast road trip after the playoffs, or after the All-Star break, excuse me, was big for them. And getting that win at Golden State, even though Kevin Durant didn't play, I think was huge. I think it was a big bonding moment. It was a stretch where they really saw who they can be, what kind of team they can be when they play together, when they play Celtics basketball, um, including that win over the jazz, I think that um, there the thing that bothered me about this team this season is that they did get a little um cocky at points and thought that they could just roll into games and walk out with wins, and the fact remains that there's the margin of error for this team just isn't what it is for. The Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers They can't just stroll into arenas And win games and so I think we saw that Kind of at the beginning of the season they believed a lot A little bit of the hype that they were going to be The number two team in the east which they I mean ended up being the number one team in the east And then um, I think we saw That at points this season that they just came in A little lackadaisical And so I think that stretch Out west Showed them that when they are playing To their capability just how good They can be
0: Interesting that you actually. I, I do want to before I get into another player because you talked about the Golden State game, and I'm, I want to get into the MVP of that Golden State game, who I have right on, his name right on the top of my head and on the sheet. Um, that's interesting that you got that vibe with the team that you felt that they that you, there were times that you felt that they were overconfident. Is that really what you could attribute the early season struggles and the early season uh, lapses in defense to?
1: All I can tell you is that they always say the same thing. They always say the right things. I talked to Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder before games at shootarounds, and they talk about respecting the opponent and focusing, dialing in. Um, but there were just games you could tell. it. I think that absolutely that's probably part of what played into that defensively. And then I would say also just getting used to playing with a guy like Al Horford and um, – like I said, that's he's a big, he's a key piece, and that's a big adjustment.
0: Was there any player who benefited more from the Al Horford's edition than Jay Crowder? I I thought Isaiah benefited a ton, but I mean, I, he was pretty much already Isaiah. Jay Crowder had a great season, you know, ever since really he's been a Celtic. But shooting wise, up until the playoffs, he did not have a very good playoffs. Yes, that's why I, in, in my grades, <laughs> I did I did dock him a little bit. Of course, you know, you can only be fair. But was there anyone who benefited more from having open shots, especially from the wing, especially in the first quarter when he was playing him with a Jay Crowder on the team?
1: And I can't say Isaiah.
0: Okay, fine. No, you can. You can. I argue why I for would Isaiah then.
1: Absolutely, say Isaiah because Al Horford stretches the floor and open up the lane for Isaiah to be able to drive and do what he does. And I think that that was a huge part of why he was able to be so successful in the fourth quarters of games and it allowed Isaiah to be aggressive It also I think gave Isaiah confidence in his teammates which I feel like is something that we saw in the Atlanta series last season that Isaiah after the injuries and guys were going down Isaiah I think felt like he needed to do it all and while he said he needed to trust his teammates I'm not sure that was necessarily there I feel like that was absolutely there Uh, in this postseason throughout the run and while there were some lapses Isaiah absolutely I believe benefited the most from Al Horford and you can see that in the career season that he had
0: I like to make real quick one real quick stop on something that was negative from this season, and I guess that's more of a team aspect. But we are we were talking about Isaiah. I usually save the complaint Isaiah about Isaiah Thomas's defense for the shows in like mid-January after you know Nixon Nixon Blazers home losses. All right, we got to have something to talk about. But the the regression on defense is. Was Isaiah the primary reason as to why the team was not as good on defense as many on the outside expected them to be this year?
1: No, I disagree with that. And I know that I understand that Isaiah's height makes him a defensive liability, but there is no question that I've watched him. He works hard on defense. He tries. He's in the right spots. He knows where to be. He is a good help team defender, he just – his physical limitations, he can't necessarily reach up and get into a seven-footer's face. And so I under, I don't – just from myself, and it may not even be an eye test, it may not even be in the numbers, but to me, Isaiah Thomas is not the reason for the Celtics' struggles on defense. I think it's – as we hear all the time – defense in this league today five guys have to be on a string five guys have to be working together to stop an offense the offenses that we see in the nba today and i think that that was an adjustment with al horford i think that it's something that they got better as the season progressed and i think it's still a work in progress
0: i thought the best player that they had abby that would shadow isaiah thomas's guy on defense, and you don't think of it actually, uh, because I, I actually thought Al Horford was not good at it uh, for when he was starting him. But I thought the best that they had was was Kelly Olynyk, and we can now even go back to your reference of what I thought was the signature win of the regular season, uh, and that being the win at Golden State, even though they did not have Kevin Durant. Because even though with them without Kevin Durant is still probably a top two team in the league, as uh-huh. is they did win seventy three games last year without Kevin Durant. But you know. He had such an interesting season. First off, he's now going to go down in the annals of Celtics history with Glenn McDonald, Darren Day, <laughs> and, and Big Baby Davis with, you know, just coming out of nowhere with these bizarre, you know, blow-ups in in a in a pivotal playoff game and and unlike McDonald, Day, and Davis, he actually did so in a game 7, although unlike them that was not an NBA finals. What did you make of the year that that he had? It was kind of I thought a pretty strange year. He was very effective defensively. He really I thought he struggled a lot with his shot at points and times of the year like he there were times where he he you, he had he was the anti-Marcus Smart. He was very hesitant in shooting in when he, most of his three-pointers they come from the wing and the top of the key where I believe he only shot 31% from this year. He was 35% overall from three-pointer. So, what did you make of the year that Kelly Olynyk had? It was just it's kind of bizarre. That's another one that's pretty bizarre to put into words.
1: As far as his shot um I as you're talking about it, I just reminded myself that he had shoulder surgery in the off season last year. And he told us he was a little apprehensive at the beginning of this season. And I'm not exactly sure, but there was a point where, um, a few months in, he finally felt confident and felt comfortable in that shoulder. So I think that that may explain some of the early season struggles, but, for me, Kelly, this is the Kelly that we know. We have seen him year in and year out. He's so frustrating. We talk about it all the time. You're looking for that consistency from Kelly O'Linick. And I I talk about it on Twitter all the time. Every time Kelly touches the ball, you scream, shoot it, shoot it. And, you know, without fail, not all, he doesn't shoot it nearly as much as you want him to. And so there was a turning point, I think, over the last month of the season that Kelly got a little more aggressive, and Brian – gal has talked about it that Danny talked to Kelly and told him, I want you to impress me every single game, do something to impress me every single game because he is, he's going to be a free agent. He's a restricted free agent this summer. And I think Kelly really took that to heart. And um, I honestly believe that that game seven performance against Washington is what Kelly is capable of. If he could just play with that killer instinct every single night which we know is what separates the good players from the great.
0: I thought one of our listeners, after they – I vividly remember this, although I actually should be you know, kind of punched in the gut a little bit because I can't specifically cite which listener it was, but I had a very interesting theory about him. This was after they beat Golden State in what was it, end of February, early March, whenever that game was, that he's so aloof that he almost sometimes doesn't even know what's going on, and that that in turn makes him play well in these big games because if you actually remember, he had a – he was very. He was great against Golden State, not just this past season, but when they ended their winning streak, their home winning streak of 54 games back on April 1st of 2016, and then of course of Game Seven is that's just something to really kind of kick around with that he almost has no idea what's going on that he, he can't even get lost up in, in these high pressure situations.
1: I wouldn't say that Kelly is a very smart guy. He's very intelligent, has a very high basketball IQ. I think that what about life his- IQ. Um, that is his personality, though. He's just a funny, sometimes goofy guy. And he under- I believe that he understands the weight of the moment. I think that he's a guy who feeds off of confidence. So if that sh- first shock goes down, he feels good about taking the next one. And then if he makes that one, and it just builds from there. Um, and I believe that he does Feed off the guys around him, and so if he's playing next to Marcus Smart, who's diving on the floor, it makes Kelly want to be aggressive too.
0: I'm totally with you too on that theory of when he makes a you know if he makes a, you know a shot early on, and if there, I wonder if there are you know it's just if one of our listeners or anyone who does want to look at some advanced numbers and, and forward them along to me of when say he hits you know his first shot or two of his first shots, three two of the first three shots that he hits, what kind of game that he has in on out because I, I am very interested to see. All right, there's. I have had you here for quite some time, Abby, and there's <laughs> just two more players that I would like to get to. And unfortunately, and I'm going to bump a few names out. I'm, I'm sure I might be mean not getting to them. But I have to get to Jalen Brown because I spent much of the summer, I think a few years, it was actually pretty much the, uh, the definitive take that I had on this show over the year was, Jalen Brown, I'm not going to lie, I th- I did not like the selection. I thought he would be a bust. You can use that noun that, uh, to, to describe what I said about him. So I actually slapped a B plus on Ja in fact m- almost all my grades are B pluses and A minuses. Oh geez, I didn't even get to Avery Bradley. My goodness, we have to get to him. So okay, <laughs> reminder Avery Bradley. but we're on Jalen Brown. I thought he would be a bust I and I did I have now done a complete 180 on him. I think he is going to be a very effective player the Celtics in the future there's many skills that he has I think he will progress mightily being being able to shoot a corner three which we know is a very valuable skill in the NBA nowadays as is being a very versatile defender which I know he will be and he has a little you know he's got some game down in the post as well uh Jalen Brown I mean why don't you just sort of take the floor on him Evans?
1: I agree with you not that I was surprised I was in New York for the draft, I was just as surprised as everyone else when the Celtics selected Jalen Brown. Only and but only because I want to couch that, because I was hoping thinking that the Celtics might make a blockbuster trade and to accelerate this rebuilding process. Um, but I just I have to tell you, after being around Jalen all season, the one word that everyone used to describe him was a worker. So in my mind, there is no way that he could be a bust and he I know that his intelligence a lot of people question that what that means on the basketball court but he is such a smart guy a hard worker and my my understanding is that he takes to coaching pretty well for a smart guy and so you know that's showing him things on film and I think what really stands out to me is speaking to him during the series against the Cavs I mentioned to Jalen that there were some guys who didn't want to work out for the Celtics um because they didn't want to come to a team where you would have to fight for minutes they wanted to go into a situation where they would be guaranteed 20 30 minutes on on a losing team and Jalen said to me I I don't understand that i came in here i had to earn every single thing that i thought that benefited
0: him tremendously
1: absolutely and being surrounded by players by veterans like al horford and avery bradley and even gerald green who are teaching you how to survive in this league who are giving you tips about defending certain players and just have this knowledge and guys who know how to win i don't understand how that can be bad for a young player and I think that Jalen Brown really took to that embraced it um maybe if not at initially thinking that he was the greatest thing since sliced bread I think he really took to that and that showed throughout the playoffs
0: Doc Rivers used to talk about the old Washington Wizards model and that they used to just trot out I can't even remember the players they had some just uh Guys from high school that they used to just throw out there back, uh, you know, in the late 2000s. Can't quite get his name off the top of my head. I believe he went to the Nets at a later point of his career. I don't know why. I can't remember this player, but they would just, it's not Kwame Brown. It was some other player they picked in the second round. I mean, they would just hand him minutes and there was just no sense of urgency on the court for them because they would know they would play 30 minutes a game anyways. Likewise, they would never have that, uh, you know, will to improve because they, you know, they, they, they had their position. Their position was set. And the next thing I you know, you know, you, you You know, worst-case scenario I am citing, I know, but you're out of the NBA. I think Jalen Brown, you hate throwing around the cliche of winning situation, but it's just so much easier for a player, for him, to develop in a situation like this where he does have to earn his playing time, which which he did, and he actually ended up, you know, getting the playing time he did. And then the playoffs, so, I mean, to say that he is going to benefit tremendously is just going to be so repetitive that I don't really think that we... We have to get into it much longer i i do really thoroughly look forward to the the career that he is likely going to have with the celtics in the immediate future okay the dunks
1: I, I, are pretty fun too yes that's they they, they are have, they get a, seen a lot of around here. they
0: get a lot of views for comcast yes. on on their uh their website on csnne.com that is very of course very beneficial to you abby and of course many of the viewers um,
1: also something that they didn't have before and that's that athleticism
0: they did with Gerald Green way back yonder, way back in my co- when my in my college days, and during uh what was it, twenty four win seasons, and he was the only reason to stick around at games when they were losing by twenty five points was to see those <laughs> three Gerald Green men. It was bizarre. I mean, I actually have to give Gerald like a ton of credit uh, in that because I really want to touch on Gerald very quickly before we get into Avery uh, before we wrap up the show is uh, how he was able to. I mean, he was like a relief pitcher. That would come in like once every three weeks and would, you know, strike out the side with with uh, first and third and no outs. And you're like, wow, you know, they haven't, you know, gone to that. He did have a, a cold arm. I don't know how he would do that. He was in such a tough situation all year in that, you know, he you referenced the Utah game. That was a big win for the year. And it was Gerald who had a huge second quarter in that game. Couldn't miss a shot. And, and they would just plug him off the bench. There was a game against Miami when uh, Isaiah had 52. It was Gerald in the second quarter. I know he did so much for the players leading by example in that, I mean, there were times in which he didn't play for long stretches of the year. But, I mean, how tough was it for him to to come off the bench where it seemed like he would go weeks and games without playing and then in the immediate and first game he'd get back in and play, he would make an immediate impact on?
1: Aside from... Isaiah's season I think that Gerald Green is what I will remember most about this year and just his maturity his professionalism the way that he was able to stay ready like you said going long stretches without playing and there's no question that he wanted to be out there that he believes that he should be out there and believes that he could help this team but he was just incredible and Jalen Brown said it at the end of the season. He was asked, is there one person who you felt like has really helped you this season? And he said, without a doubt, Gerald Green has taught me so much about this league and what it takes to succeed and, and to do the right things. And to me, with Gerald coming into this season, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And he surpassed that by leaps and bounds, not just... As you say, being able to come in and perform on a moment's notice, but just the way that he handled himself, the way that he carried himself, he was a true pleasure to be around this season, and it's something that I will remember.
0: It's incredible in that the way you were describing, Gerald, especially, uh, you weren't around here, I believe you're no, right. but I Oh, yeah. And the stories are not Greek myths. They are true. Right. This isn't the Trojan War we're talking about here. Uh, they, this is 100% true. It's incredible that he is. Is what he is. That's the last thing I think, Gerald. And has taken
1: he... so much from all of his experiences and has been able to channel that into the maturity that he exhibits now. He's an incredible story.
0: Am I mean to uh, you know, exclude Terry Rozier, Amir Johnson, and Jonas Dreppo from this, especially since they were a rotation? Amir started uh, for much of the year. Uh, am I mean to not dedicate much time to them?
1: I mean, Amir Johnson and Jonas Drebko are free agents, so I think that we're okay there. Okay. Uh, Terry Rozier. My first thought of Terry is earlier this season, um, in the absence of Evan Turner, and he said, I want all of those minutes. And I think that after that, we all expected so much from Terry, and he showed flashes of that, especially in the playoffs. Um He's such a great kid, and I want nothing but the best for him. And I just would like to see that consistency come out. And I think that's what it's going to take for him to get regular minutes on this
0: roster. I am going to exclude Tyler Zeller, especially. I can't take any more grief from Forsberg, James Young, and even Jordan <laughs> Mickey, especially since we may have to throw some F's on that. That wouldn't be very nice. I know that's something that you don't want to do. But let's get to what I you can. I, I don't want to call it the mainish event, but Avery Bradley, this may very well be a eulogy for him. Sally, uh, you know, I just, once again, this is not an off-season show. This is not will he be a Celtic. He may be a victim a little bit of the numbers game. But we are in the means of appreciating 2017. I talked about him a lot with Sean Granny during our midterm grades in terms of how much he's improved his shooting. We all know about that, and we all know about his defense. and that The burden that he handled cannot be really measured concretely in you know, what, what, he, what he means to the Celtics on both ends of the floor. And he had a uh, big playoffs, so yeah, Abby. I guess you can take. I, I don't. I don't want to throw a eulogy at him, so just do Avery Bradley 2017 for me to wrap up this episode. Or what do
1: you mean a eulogy? You think he? You don't think he's going to be back? Oh, uh, no, we're saying. You think that he's going to be included show. in a we're deal? That for the okay, yeah, 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 yeah. that's a tease. A little tease there. I agree with everything that you just said. I don't think that we can truly measure the value of Avery Bradley and. We saw it in uh, the playoff series against the Cavs when he missed that little bit of time with those um, injuries or the hips. When was that? Washington. Washington. Uh, when he missed that time with and the he hips. Came
0: back in Game Five, pretty effectively. Yes, we're okay in that game.
1: Absolutely, but we saw how much the Celtics missed him, miss playing without him. He's another guy who stretches the floor, opens things up for Isaiah Thomas and. Um, I just remember how great he was playing at the beginning of the year not only on defense but offensively he also was running the offense at times making good reads making great passes facilitating things and then always the cuts always shooting well getting his shot up so to me I think it stinks that that Injury took away so much of this season because I think he worked so hard last summer and it was absolutely showing through. I remember talking to him about that just how frustrating this injury and the timing of it was because he was playing so well. Um, And then how strong he came back after the Achilles and. The thing that stands out to me about Avery is just how much he's grown up in front of our eyes. And even in just the four years that I've been here, Avery has grown into a man, has grown into an all-star caliber player and a leader on this team. That's something that, I don't know if Sean mentioned it, but a lot of the players have said, while Avery isn't necessarily an outspoken leader shouting in huddles, he's a guy who will pull someone aside and hold them accountable, but also be encouraging towards his teammates. And a guy that people look up to in that locker room and I think that that has been something a transformation that I've seen with Avery that I think has been so cool to see
0: Abby Chin Celtics courtside reporter for the television home of the team CSN follow her on Twitter at TV Abby thanks so much for doing this once again see you next year thank you for having me Likewise, Abby, look forward to yours and CSN's coverage of the draft, the offseason, which I alluded to at the very beginning. It never ends, but with this reviewing this season last week, doing the players individually this week, we can now officially put the cap on 2016-17, this now ordained Isaiah Thomas year. The fact that I couldn't even get into it with Abby, what he did in the postseason, especially in the aftermath of his tragedy, that's telling enough. We didn't even have enough time for that. Unbelievable. But that's it. Let's close the book on 2016-17. As I hinted in the show, next week is our long-awaited offseason preview show. I wanted to stretch this out as long as we could because I really felt that this was a year that will go down in the annals especially amongst the diehards. This is the year that, I I believe, are are the years that the diehards will so fondly remember, especially a younger collection of Celtics fans, for them particularly, who may uh, have just gotten into the team and, and were young enough or never experienced 2008. It is the championship seasons where the flags hang high and are remembered for eternity. But what would an episode of Celtics Beat be without quoting the classics? What you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. Pericles. And with that, that'll do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat number 213, which was sponsored today by Casper and HelloFresh. Hey, go to HelloFresh.com and use code BEAT30. That T three zero. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service focusing on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Great stuff, so go give them a look and use that Beat30 code. We thank them for supporting this particular broadcast. As much as we thank our listeners for taking the time to downloading Celtics Speed. Yet another week. Music was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Legrato. For graphic designer, Scott Dillon. Staff writer, Eddie Santiago. And the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, I am Larry H. Russell. Signing off Celtics Beat. Powered by CLNS Media.